Welcome to the sermon portion of our online service this morning. As we join together to study the text, would you please pray with me? Let us pray. God, like many weeks, this week has been a lot. We've dealt with smoke and felt sick because of it. Our hearts are sick as we have heard of friends and others being evacuated from our homes, losing their homes. God, many of us too are grieving the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a champion for justice in our nation. May she rest in peace. Perhaps it has been all we can do to roll out of bed in recent mornings, all we can do to do the bare minimum at our jobs and school, and you know the, these things. You know our hearts. And so would you meet us in those places this morning with your incomparable, wild grace as we study this sacred text and hear your storytelling. And would you please continue to bring rain on our earth, bring rest, bring peace, and help get out the wildfires. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the master storyteller. Amen. Now, as many of you know, I recently moved. I moved from West Seattle, or as I like to call it now, my favorite island. And I moved to North Seattle, and moving into a new place comes with all sorts of new projects. I like to settle in quickly, to nest, as it were, I suppose. I like making my apartment my home, and I like getting comfy. It helps me rest. And this time, when I moved, it was no different. Except that instead of having an inside to decorate, and having to scrounge around my boxes to find nails to hang my art and things, I also, in this new apartment that I share with Lauren, I had an outdoor space to work on as well. Yes, friends, I won the Seattle lottery in terms of living spaces. My new apartment, it comes with a garden. And as I've shared with all of you before, I have been gardening quite a bit. Some things have taken hold and others really haven't. I planted five mounds of pumpkins, but a little devious squirrel came and dug up all the seeds, only to replant them in some random places around our little front yard. Our hopes for a Paul pumpkin patch were dashed when we saw what the squirrel had done, but now, a couple months later, we are laughing because there are pumpkin plants sprouting up everywhere across the garden in every bed and they are growing with abandon. The pumpkins weren't where we expected them to be, but we are happy that we have some growing anyway. And with this garden, with my squirrel nemesis, I made many trips to the hardware and gardening store around the corner from my new apartment. And I invested in a new hose, in some good soil, some squirrel deterrence, and in some seeds. And each time, driving in and out of the parking lot, I saw a group of men standing by the curb, waiting. These men were gathered together, talking and laughing, watching the cars. They were dressed in work clothes, heavy boots. A few of them look hopefully at my car when I drove out with whatever gardening, gardening things I had in my back seat. These men were there in larger numbers early in the morning, but later on in the afternoon, or even in the early evening sometimes, while most were gone, while numbers had dwindled, there were still a few there, now sitting on the curb. And as the day went on, they started to look a lot less hopeful. And this, this is the scene that Jesus begins weaving his parable with in Matthew 20. 
a wealthy landowner, is in need of help for his vineyard. It is time for the harvest and he is in need of workers to help him harvest the grapes and make some wine. And so he goes out. And I don't know if this landowner went to his first century equivalent of a Lowe's or a Home Depot or to a carpenter shop or to a blacksmith shop or if he went to the city gate. All our text says is that he goes out early in the morning, perhaps as the sun began to rise and he hired some people to come and work in his vineyard. Now, workers in the first century Palestine could expect a few things. Number one, most workers could expect to work from sunrise to when the stars began to come out. Aren't we grateful for that eight hour workday that helps us have some time to rest? But when this landowner goes out to get workers, he starts this process early. The first round of workers he hires, he hires for a long day of harvesting in the vineyard. And the second thing that workers could expect from the one who hired them was to be paid a denarius one day's wages, something a bit like a minimum wage, perhaps. Each worker would expect to be compensated in full at the end of the workday as well. There was no waiting for a paycheck until the middle of the month. No, this law was put into effect to help poor people who are living paycheck to paycheck. If someone got in a day's work, they would be able to get food at the end of that long day. And so, these workers are hired expecting these things, a long work day and fair wages at the end. But around 9 a.m. in the morning, the landowner goes back out to hire more workers. And as I read it, I couldn't help but ask some questions. Why didn't he hire all these people the first time around, right as the sun was rising? Did he not realize he needed a bigger number of workers? Did he underestimate the amount of work that needed to happen? Wouldn't he want as many workers as possible from the beginning of the day so more work could get done? Or did he go out for a coffee, realize that more people were standing around still looking for work, and then hire them out of plain and simple compassion? But then this landowner, he does. He hires these workers at 9 a.m. in the morning and tells them, too, that he would pay them what is right and that they should go to work in his vineyard as well. And he does the same later. And again, at the end of the day, perhaps around 5 p.m., he hires more. He goes out, he finds more workers, and he hires all of them. And this, this makes me ask even more questions. And this time, instead about the landowner, it's more now my questions are about the workers. Who are these workers and why haven't they been hired already? Are they scrawny? Do they not look hireable like good workers? Are they small and do they look weak? Are they the late risers? Are they like me and are they night owls? Did they struggle to get out of bed and get to the town square to look for work that morning? Did they have trouble at home that morning maybe? Trouble getting their son to school to study the Torah? Were they too poor to have work clothes and work boots? Why weren't these laborers hired early in the day? And this parable, it doesn't always give us answers about either of these. And it definitely doesn't give us answers about this landowner's strategy for the harvest, really, nor about the reasons the workers has, hadn't been hired. But this character of the landowner, it is really striking to me. This landowner is odd to go out so late in the day to hire workers, but it is beautiful that he does this. 
the landowner keeps going out and getting more and more workers. He doesn't stop going out until the stars come out and absolutely no, absolutely no more work can be done. The landowner even goes out and gets those, perhaps, who aren't clothed in the right attire, who aren't big and strong, who aren't on time. It becomes clear that the landowner is God in Jesus's parable. And this picture of God as this odd landowner hiring people until there is no more daylight, this picture, it gives me hope for people, for people like me, people who aren't always immediately suited to the work of God's kingdom, but who God picks up and drops off in the vineyard anyway. There is space for all of us. In seminary, I never thought that I would ever want to speak in front of people. It still terror terrifies me before I do a sermon. And yet, God came and got me and invited me to his vineyard. And the same is true for all of us. There is space for all of us in the ways that God calls. We will be invited to be a part of God's crew and welcome to join God in bringing God's kingdom on earth. And we will be provided for at the end of the day. And God keeps coming back to get more. God keeps walking into the town square or driving up with God's pickup truck, sh truck shouting to us, you need a job, get in. There are so many grapes. I need you for the harvest. Come on, it'll be fun. And as I thought about the workers themselves a bit more in this story too, and contemplated those questions that I have about them, I realized something. Maybe the reason why these workers weren't out early in the morning, ready to get hired to labor in a vineyard, is simply none of my business. And isn't that the way of things? I think it can be easy to judge one another as we walk through life together. We might see the way someone is living their story and we might become angry with them, not knowing the whole story, not knowing that perhaps this way of doing things is simply the best they could do at the moment or that it is the way that works best for them, that it is the way that God has called them. We may not like the ways that people raise their kids or the ways they bake their bread. We may not like how they dress who they love, how they show up when things are wrong in the world, or how they act on church Zoom calls. We may not like other, how others live out their faith journeys. After all, their journeys sometimes look so very different from our own. And admittedly, the story doesn't say what happened with the laborers in the vineyard as they worked and saw more laborers hired and brought to the vineyard to harvest grapes. But the story doesn't say that they grumbled amongst themselves too much, at least at this point in the story. If anything, I imagine they might have been happy to have more help with the grapes. It seems as though the harvest was overwhelming and abundant. And at this point in the parable, as these workers pick grapes and see new workers come to join them, it seems as though they all trusted the landlord, who they knew would pay them a fair wage for hours worked. I bet they wanted the help. They didn't ask too many questions. They just got back to work. And maybe that's our invitation too, to remember that each of our journeys are different and to simply welcome the new neighbor laborers, bringing the good and loving kingdom of God on earth with us, next to us in the vineyard. Our work, our job is to then trust that God has us all and knows all of our stories. And then we all get back to work. But back to our story. The vineyard workers have trusted the landowner to pay them a fair wage and have been working 
faithfully, but then the end of the day comes and the workers here, they get just a little bit less trusting of the vineyard owner who had hired them. The landowner lines everyone up and goes to pay each their wage at the end of the day, as was custom. But something not so normal happens when he hands the workers their checks. I imagine the landlord starts at the end of the line where those he hired last stand. And there in front of everyone, he hands those workers, the ones who got in at the most, only a couple hours of work, he hands them a denarius the wage that was customary for a full day's work. So I imagine the workers at the end of the line, the workers who have worked the entire day from sunrise to showing of stars, I imagine they start looking at each other with anticipation. If those people were working for only part of the day and got paid an entire day's wage, what would the wage be for those of us who actually worked the entire day? But then, as the landowner gets closer, as he looks into their eyes, as he thanks them for their work, the long day's laborers, their hearts fall because they too are only handed a denarius. And as you can imagine, as you, I'm sure, have felt at different times in your life, these, these laborers, they become angry with the landowner they protest this generosity. And at this moment, as I'm sitting here, it feels pretty hilarious to consider protesting generosity. The world needs more generosity. How beautiful that is. Who would be angry that people are getting paid and getting to buy food for their families? But I know that I too have been there. As a small example, I was obsessed with making sure my sister and I got the exact same amount of candy on Halloween despite her costumes being so much better than mine. I would dress more often as a princess or something, but my sister, she went often as a hippo. And yet I still got angry at the generosity of people towards her, my younger sister. I wanted a fair amount of candy, no matter what, and I would become angry and want to split it all at the end of the trick-or-treating night. And I imagine, as I did when I realized my sister got more candy than I, I imagine one of the laborers here in our story, he speaks up, then more do, all joining in to protest the landlord's unequal pay for their labor. We work today for equal pay for equal work, for fighting for women to be paid as much as men, for working the same job. But what happens here in this story is people are given equal pay for unequal work. Those that worked the whole day get a day's wages and those that only work an hour or two of the day also get a day's wages. Those who started work in the morning complained, but sir, we have worked this whole day and in the heat of the sun and you give those people the same wage as us? You've lumped us in with those people? You've made them, those who got up late, who showed up late, who don't have the right work clothes, who are weak and scrawny, you are making them equal to us? And I imagine the landlord is now looking at those who worked only a partial day. Some of them might be sheepish about the generous wage they have received. Maybe they don't think it's fair. They certainly didn't expect it. 
Perhaps some are looking down at their work shoes or their bare feet. Some still are standing head held high, trusting the landlord to do what is fair and right, hoping they can keep their wages and feed themselves and their families. And I imagine too, that the landlord takes in these people and then looks at those complaining and he addresses them kindly. I'm not being unfair to you, my friend, he says. Don't you agree to work for a day's wages? Didn't you do that? I want to give to these friends the same as you. And isn't it my right on my property with my money? And I imagine here that he might say this with a hint of a smile. Or, do you not like that I am generous? And as usual, this parable needs to be read in the context that it is found in the text. So what is the context here? Jesus told this story to address two things that had happened to Jesus and his disciples just before. In chapter 19, a rich young man, he came to Jesus and asked what he must do to inherit eternal life. He was wondering about more rules to follow so that he could receive his reward. He was stuck on all the laws and rules on doing it right, but he hadn't thought about the heart of things. The truth that laboring in Jesus' vineyard at all is a gift. He didn't understand his relationship to the landlord. Being in God's service was a gift. It wasn't about picking the grapes exactly the same or being in the vineyard for the longest amount of time. It was about being in service of the landowner of Jesus. It wasn't about a contract with God to get a reward. It was simply about being in the service of God. It was about being invited by the landlord, by God, and being blessed to work in that grace-filled vineyard, to be employed, to be working alongside others, our fellow humans. Jesus invites this rich young man anyway to this way of thinking, to bringing the kingdom of God where he was, but instead the rich young man chose, chooses in that story in chapter 19 not to accept Jesus' invite. He leaves the vineyard, as it were. And then another thing happens that Jesus addresses with this parable. Peter says in chapter 19, verse 27, this is a paraphrase, he says, well, so this rich man chose not to follow, but each of us have, as he motions to the 12 disciples and others following, perhaps. He says, we've chosen to follow. Surely we'll get our reward, right, Jesus? But Peter didn't get it either. He didn't understand his relationship to the other workers in God's field in God's kingdom. He wanted a reward out of comparison. Surely they would be rewarded more than the rich young man. But Jesus then offers this parable as a warning for him and the others. This parable that we read this morning in chapter 20 is a reminder to not get big-headed for doing good works, for following Jesus, for being a worker in the vineyard since the very early hours. It is a reminder to Peter and the others to stop looking at the newer workers or other people with judgment or comparison who are on different looking journeys of faith. Jesus alone knows our journeys, each of them. Just because someone is late to the vineyard, late to work, just because someone seems like a weaker or less striking follower of Jesus doesn't mean that they are less valued to Jesus, to the vineyard owner. Jesus is saying here that he accepts those who the religious leaders of the day might have abandoned as lost causes, the rich young men who didn't understand what Jesus was calling them to. 
Jesus accepts the tax collectors and the sex workers, and Jesus has invited them too to work the vineyard and receive what is wildly generous and compassionate. Jesus keeps going out at all hours of the day and finding more workers for the kingdom. And so this invitation to the rich young man, to the workers who come late, and the invitation for Peter and the disciples, these are all invitations for us too, especially now. Firstly, the invitation to the rich young man. When things are wild and muddled, when parts of life are smoky and awful, when we grieve the death of people who have worked for justice and when we are afraid for what may come next, when tensions are at an all-time high, are we able to understand our place in God's vineyard and see with God's eyes? Can we see ourselves with God's eyes? God invites us to see our work for the kingdom as less of a contraction to receive love or the reward for eternal life and more of a generous chance to work in God's vineyard, to be welcomed into siblinghood with others and be generously provided for and given grace. And along those same lines, the invitation is for the workers who come late that invitation is for us too. While we might be doubters and latecomers for whatever reason, God drives up to pick us up even at the latest hours of the day. Maybe when we get down on ourselves for not showing up for the work of God's kingdom perfectly, we can remember that God's grace is incomparable, is wild, and it is generous. God keeps coming to get us, keeps inviting us, and will give us a generous wage with love. And even God gives us a place of honor as the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Sometimes in pandemics, while we homeschool our kids, while we work from home, while we are bored at home and missing friends and family, as our bodies ache from too much smoke, as we read the news and want to go back to bed, as we suffer loss and experience real fear, Perhaps the word for us this morning is that there is grace for us here too. When all we can do is roll out of bed and do the bare minimum, when all we can do is show up in the smallest of ways, God the vineyard owner still invites us. God still cares about us. God still loves us. God still gives us that incomparable grace. And then the final invitation. This invitation that Peter and the disciples are given is also an invitation for us. So once we know that grace, once we see ourselves with God's loving and grace-filled eyes, once we are working in the vineyard, our invitation is to see others who join the vineyard a little later in this way too. We are invited to see these newcomers with God's grace-filled eyes, even in hazy and smoky times. Even though perhaps some of us have been in the vineyard for longer, have loved Jesus longer, have served Jesus longer, maybe with the grace given to us, we are invited to welcome those who labor differently. And we are invited to remember that God knows their stories and will take care of each of us as our generous God, the generous landowner who knows what is best. We are invited to see each different faith journey as beautiful and without comparison, and we are invited to celebrate the presence of Christ in each person, including ourselves.
in the end. As we labor in Christ's vineyard, whether that is raising our kids to love Jesus and get through a school day, or it is perhaps working from home, resting, trying to stay healthy and not stir crazy, talking with our family members, working for the good in our city, or simply getting out of bed. May we know that we are invited no matter how late we are, and we are given grace. And may that grace sink so deep into each of our bones that we cannot help but welcome others who come after us. May we welcome them too with pure rejoicing, knowing that God will give each of us what we need. May we rejoice together as vineyard laborers in the incomparable, wild, and beautiful grace of God. Amen.